Hello, welcome to Dennis Lopez, I'm having you in once again. I am joined by Greg, Liam and Harry. How are you doing, boys? Pretty much sums it up. Um, yeah, it was, it was a tough weekend, to be honest. Um, being honest, if you observed um, our Twitter over the weekend and the pictures deceiving, I did not sleep very well um, throughout the weekend, <laughs> despite falling asleep mid-sesh. But apart from that, I'm all right. Liam, you're fresh as a daisy. Ah, I'm fresh as a daisy. I'm ready and ready to go. I'm ready to fill this next hour with all my chat because I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. Liam, can yeah, you see how I met your mother? Justin, because I'm just going to be dead weight. I just... They're kind of different for any other Monday, to be honest with you. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to see how I met your mother. Watch this Monday. How I met your mother? No. Hey, I've aye. seen it, aye. But... aye. Um, have you seen the thing with Barney where no matter what happens, he always gets a good photo taken? I reckon that's how Liam wakes up every morning. He just wakes up and he just looks fresh as fuck. I'll take that. I, I don't think that's the case, <laughs> but I'll take it. Um, so, Liam, um, you had the Twitter updates on, on Saturday. What did you make of the game? I, I was honestly really struggling for stuff to say on Saturday. So, And you'll probably see by the quality of some of the Twitter pattern that was out there on Saturday uh, afternoon that I was really struggling for things to say. And I was trying to find a way to summarise the game and... And this is the best I could come up with was it was a testimonial without the goals. It was kind of played at a testimonial pace. And Scott Brown, obviously, 14 years at Celtic, you know, two years at Hibs and Offie Marciano, five years at Hibs. You could, I guess, go some way towards making it. It was a bit of a testimonial, played in front of no fans, no real urgency. But we did, it was one of those games where one of the teams kind of just offered the other team the opportunity of having dominating the ball I suppose and it was up to Celtic to break us down and Hibs defended superbly uh, throughout the whole game to be honest Celtic were quite one pace there was the odd last ditch challenge here and there and there was odd good save from Marciano but to be honest it was a really comfortable 0-0 even towards yeah. the last knockings of the game I didn't really fancy Celtic to score Yeah um, Harry, Greg we, we said last week that it would either be really high scoring like or no, no, like that was, you know, what I mean, like you always see it at the, at the end of the season, especially when both teams haven't really got anything to play for in that league game. And, it's, and then when you add in the fact that obviously we were resting players as well, did the, did the pace of the game surprise you at all? You know, like I just I wasn't really paying attention. Like I, it was that monotonous. If that was the first ever game of football I got shown, I didn't think I'd be a football fan. Like it was that bad. It was just <laughs> a horrendous game of football. Like I think Jack Ross was like, boys, if you go out there and you don't get beat, fair enough. Like that, from like I don't think we had any intent to attack in Celtic. That just summarises how hopeless they've been this season. Um, so yeah, no, I was like as I said before the game, it doesn't matter. It didn't get yeah. off of it, so it's fine for me. Yeah, and then Greg, I guess there was a particular highlight in the game that um, Odson Edward rattled a free kick right in the top corner, but Willie Collum blew it back, and then they rattled the next one right into the wall. Yeah, that I think that's all I really... <laughs> that, that and Melka Halberg being up front was all I really remember for the game. Um, <laughs> I mean, if the if the ref doesn't blow his whistle, you would hope that Marciano makes the save there. Um, I don't understand why he blew his whistle. I wasn't really paying attention, to be honest. <laughs> so, yeah, apologies to the listeners slash viewers, but I'm really not anyone to talk about the game last weekend, uh, the weekend there, because I have no clue. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I was probably out of the three as we watched it together. I was probably paying the, the most attention. Um, 
And I, yeah, just the same as Julian. Like, I, I think your tweet at the end of the game or towards the end of the game really summarised that Celtic had all the ball, but they were attacking with all the threat of a, was it a wee puppy or something you put in. That, that pretty much perfectly summarised it. They just had, there was nothing, there was just no punch in the game, really, was there? And I think we set our stall out very much by saying, here you go, here's uh, Melker Halberg up top with Ray Wright. Like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's how much we care about this game. Although um, I've seen a stat today on Pie and Ballville that um, the top five players that were caught offside, Martin Boyle, Christian Dodge and Kevin Nisbet were all in the top three. And I swear to God, if Melker Halberg had one more game up top, he'd probably be in the top five or not. Because <laughs> I just I felt like every time I sort of clocked eyes on the game, he was offside. But I think... Um, it, bring, it wraps up a very, very good league season, doesn't it? I mean, we, we don't need to speak about the game as a whole, but the league campaign as a whole has been entirely successful, 63 points. Uh, I think that must be our second best ever points tally in the in the top flight, I think, just after um, just find the first season back up. Um, Liam, I guess, obviously, we'll do a big sort of review post-cup final when the season's fully finished, but just how good the league campaign has this been for Hibs? Been a really good league campaign and um, finished third, you know, which is realistically the highest that we can finish, despite what some people say about us uh, usurping Celtic to second place. It is as high as we can finish in the current construct of the league and the current financial climate that Scottish football finds itself in, where the old firm are kind of uh, set apart from the rest in terms of finance. It's also a wee bit of a, um, a wee bit of up yours to all the boo boys who said that. Jack Ross would never finish above Aberdeen for X, Y, Z reasons. Mm. And we finished seven points clear at Aberdeen, who admittedly were a shadow of themselves in the second half of the season. But you can only beat what's in put in front of you at the end of the day. I think that's what we've done in the league. Quite comfortable, seven points. Never really looked in any major doubt, to be quite honest. Um, so uh, it's been a, been a really accomplished first, first full season for Jack Ross. Yeah, I think the thing for me as well, I think because of how poor Aberdeen were for that spell of, was it maybe January to through March until McInnes left? I think in, even in the split and before that, they sort of had mixed results, still not being great. But I remember, I don't know if it was when McInnes got sacked or just before he got the sack, someone was asking him about how he felt the season was going. And I think he said after the first, I think maybe round and a half of games or even two rounds of games, it was actually his second best start to a season as Aberdeen manager. So, okay, like it's, they, they fell off the face of the earth, but we can't just forget, we can't just pretend that Aberdeen were stinking all season. Aberdeen started the season, everyone thought Aberdeen started the season poorly because, mind, they were way down the bottom half of the league, but that's because they had played like two games between Celtic and COVID. I think, obviously, Dame, their players fucking up at the start of the season as well. But I think, like, very quickly, Aberdeen got into a groove and obviously it did fall off the face of the earth, but we had to overturn that gap. I think at one point it was four points by a game in hand, so effectively seven. And in that period of time, we've over, we've, that's 14 points gained on them. I think that's, people say, oh, it should have been wrapped up by now because of how bad Aberdeen were. Well, no, not really. Like, we, like, like you say, it was entirely comfortable for me. Greg, you were, you've been fairly critical at various points through the season, as have I. Um, but you must be happy, I get it. Now the league campaign's finished, you must be delighted. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I, I don't think any of us at the start of the season expected third I certainly didn't um, coming off for the back of the last year's seventh place finish with an asterisk um, but yeah I think that as bad as our Aberdeen have been we have been very good at times um, and 
of course of the season there are times where you have dips and you maybe look at them a lot more because you're not at the game because you're mm-hmm. watching at home and your full full focus is on the game um, so yeah I think that it's easy to be critical but you know let's be positive and, and look at what we've achieved this season yeah. you know th- this is our best finish in what 15 years so yeah, yeah I, I, I don't think we can we can be too critical and we can build on this for next year hmm. after we we take care of this weekend. Yeah, how did you think this sort of the fact the way that Hibs have finished the season and finished in third place and like we said, obviously throughout the season there has been some highs and some pretty low points as well. And you you see that this is why we won't finish third, this is why we won't do this, this is why we won't do that, or this is why we'll do that. I think it just shows that our league, our league season is a long, long time because let's be honest, if any of us were asked coming out of that Rangers game when we just lost three on the spin at Christmas time that we would finish seven points clean and third with a laugh in the person's face probably in all honesty. Well, the thing is for me, like <clears throat> I remember when I was trying to keep the balance back in the day when you and Greg were staunchly Ross <laughs> out and then the question was what do you think Ross can do to actually like win the fans back? Yeah. And I think he's done exactly like were both like, well, I definitely need to comfortably finish third and we'd need to win the Scottish Cup. And then he's actually got us on the verge of doing both of them. Um, as I said, I think the main reason we've done so well this season is the recruitment. I think he recruited in all the areas that we want to. Um, obviously, we've still got um, a slight lack of depth across the pitch, but we're putting that down mainly to COVID budgeting, which is fair enough. So I think that we'll see that covered next season. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think we've got the third best team in the country at the moment. And I think we've proved it. Um, especially after how much Aberdeen weakened in January. So, yeah, no, I, I don't think that Jack Ross, uh, for me, uh, for a manager to go from 11th place in the league when he takes over to finishing third the next season, I think that's a 10 out of 10. I don't think he can literally improve on that at all, especially if he wins the Scottish Cup. Yeah, and do you think that, I guess, there's all, you know, whatever the result is next weekend, if it doesn't go our way, it's going to be difficult to find, but you can't let that, Whatever happens next weekend, I don't think you can overshadow just how good a season it's been, and especially from a league point of view, because I guess it is. You wouldn't say it's the minimum requirement. I would probably say the minimum requirement for Hibs is, I guess, the bare minimum is top six, but really the baseline expectation would be four, like mm-hmm. like top four, top five. So no matter what happens next weekend, it's still been a great season. No, no, I completely agree. Like um, the the thing is obviously losing in cup finals um is what you call it, um, not ideal, but getting there is still difficult, even though we've had a relatively easy run at things, like it's still difficult mm-hmm. to get to the cup final, so I think if anything it's a positive we've got there regardless of the result, even though if we do get beat, I'll not be saying that Thanks. at all. No, um, of course, yeah. <laughs> right, so uh, we are going to do a big sort of post-season review, like we say, when uh, probably next week or whenever, whenever we get around to it, sort of after the final and stuff, depends on the result, probably depends on how quickly we put out a podcast after it. Um, so, I'm just going to push you for one thing on the league season before we before we move on. What would be your personal highlight of the league campaign from each year, Greg? I'll let you come, come to you first. We'll do highlight and low light. I think the low light was that third goal against Livy at home. That was that was bad. Um, highlight, to be fair, was. It's probably Deutsch's goal against Aberdeen to wrap up third. I would say that was, that was a highlight because that that was the end goal. That was yeah. the end goal to get there, and we done it. And, and the goal he scored was was phenomenal. To be fair, so I would say that. Cool, Liam. 
think the second half against Motherwell at Fir Park could be highlight. Yeah, I think we scored three goals in the second half. It was just a completely different performance from what we'd seen in the first half. They were so on pace and we came out with mm-hmm. real purpose and put them away. And I think that was a wee bit of a turning point in the league season for us as well. I know we'd put together some results over that period. So I'd say that. I think the low light for me, it's difficult to focus on anything other than that period around Christmas, isn't yeah. it? So I, I think for me, the Ross County game, we lost 2-0 at home because we, we lost... 2-0, but we were also completely devoid of ideas to change the game. And you just kind of sensed that things were starting to go against us at that period. And even me had been really positive all the way through the season at that point was starting to have a few doubts. So I think that'd be yeah. all right. No, that's fine. And Harry, what about yourself? Well, I'll, I'll go with the low light first. Yeah. Um, I had it in my head and as soon as I've said that, I've lost it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can what it was. Um, because the talk had kind of begun and like being a Hibs fan, as soon as one bad thing happens, you think, oh no, it's going to just cat, like fall all over us, avalanche us. Um, when we dominated Dundee United at home, I thought that was one of our best our best performances of the season. I thought we were so dominant in that game. I thought their keeper was amazing. Um, yeah. And I just thought we were um, dead unlucky. And it was such a gut punch when we conceded that because it was not coming at all and they didn't deserve it. So I was gutted after that. Um, but going all the way back, I just remember I got steaming and I was with my uncle and I was in my element when we beat Livy away on was it the second day of the season? I just yep, second game, yep. I was in my happy place. I just thought, what a day! I was like, Hibs are back. Obviously, a bit crap when we're there, but we beat Livy away. We never, we, recent years, we've not got many good results there. So I thought, this is magic. Yeah, no, I, I can get that. I think I'd really, really enjoyed that game. And like you say, it, was, it feels like a whole lifetime ago now, back at the start of the season, back in August. but for me, I'm going to go for low, low light. I think I'm probably the same as Liam. Um, if I was going to say, uh, I think just that Christmas and New Year period was it was just difficult to take. us. but again, I think I've said it enough times. I think the Livy and Ross County games you can take the performances if they, but when you come in back to back, like you're you're struggling at that point. I think when you see, I think Livy were and Martindale just taken over at that point, but so I think they were still bottom half at the time. Obviously Ross County was at John Hughes's first game, so they were right down the bottom as well. Like, uh, they were just particularly hard to take, and then obviously they were on the back of the Rangers game. I think one the Rangers Rangers was the first of the three, and we'd actually played all right at Ibrox that day as well. So I think you sort of went into the two games that time, and we were still in a really good, really good place. In terms of highlight, I'm going to I'm going to go for the, that sort of first month of the season. I thought we were playing some excellent stuff, and just if anyone wants to go and see just how good it was being a Hibs fan, then just go and look at the name of our first episode or uh, episode two. It was either the first episode or the second episode, all aboard the title train. Uh, and even like when Stephen Allen scored that penalty away at St Johnson, there's nothing better than a, a last minute winner, even if you're there or not there. Um, Another notable one for me, I don't know about you guys, would be Ross County away. Uh, Kevin is when, when we finally won from going behind in a game. I think that was a moment in the season where I almost felt like I had a little bit inside me where it was almost like I was there in terms of happiness. I don't know about you. I wondered how many honourable mentions you were going to try and squeeze in there, there Greg, for last week. <laughs> I do that. Well, I just thought, I just thought there has been, do you know what it is, right? I think there's been, for such a good season, it, probably because we've not been there, I think you, there's not as many memorable moments, especially in, in, in the 
in the league campaign. And maybe that's because we've been incredibly consistent. There's been so many 2-0 wins or 2-1 wins or 1-0 wins. And then probably because you've progressed in the Cups, the Cups sort of dominate your highlights and your lowlights, depending on how they go. But that being said, before we move on to the Cup final, one last thing is we've probably seen Ophir Marciano and a hip stop for the last time, um, barring an injury to Matt Macy at the weekend. Um, Greg, what, what have you made of Marciano in his five year in his five year period at the club? He's one of those goalies that, um, when the ball's at his feet, you're maybe no too sure, but then he'll pull out a TV save out of nowhere. Um, to be honest, I think leading up to him, the goalies were weren't great, if we're honest. Um, Alan Conrad, kind, Harry, I don't think. worry. Um, but other than that, like you'd had Oxley and wow, like terrible goalies. So. Yeah, no, I think that he came in, he brought a bit of stability, he made the number one jersey his own, and he served us well, to be fair. Um, there's a point we don't get any cash for him, but do you know what, that's that's really his decision. Um, he feels like the time's up, and, and do you know what he's quite right to do so. So, yeah, no, absolutely, stability was key. Um, I wish him all the best. Yeah, I think I've said on here before that, for me, he's comfortably the best goalkeeper in my lifetime uh, at Easter Road. I'd, People I get like Daniel Anderson was a good goalkeeper, but there's a lot of uh, bias there because of the semi-final against Rangers. I think um, Liam, what about you? What's your thoughts on Marciano and just how hard do a job will it be for Matt Macy or whoever if we bring another goalkeeper in to replace him as number one? I, I've been around slightly longer than you guys, so I can remember probably even more bad keepers than the ones that Greg's <laughs> referenced. But you know, I, I don't want to go through the list of them all because we, we all know them. Um, so I, I think there's an episode in that. There's, there's almost <laughs> definitely an episode. I think from the period of Oliver got scouts in right through to, to Mark Oxley, there's probably only one or two really that you would say have been anywhere near above average. Uh, so, there's, yeah, there's definitely a lot there. But anyway, on Marciano himself, um, I think I, I said it before on here, he's one of those keepers that does make uh, saves that are for the camera, but just the fact that he's capable of making some of the saves that he makes, I think, mm-hmm. put him at a higher level than... Uh, all those guys that we've talked about he's clearly got flaws to his game as well you know his kicking's maybe not not 100% perfect but I think he always makes up for that with his shot stopping ability um, and there's been a few saves down the years for me that always kind of just just like kind of stick out and, and they're generally ones that I'm either impressed by because of the athleticism and uh, the kind of, sort of acrobatic nature of the saves or they're, they're one-on-ones and we saw, it was funny because we saw a couple of examples of that just at the weekend in Celtic he pulled off a couple of saves that were like typical Marciano saves but I think the ones that kind of stick in my head was that season I think it was probably our second season back up after the split against Celtic at home and he makes that save yeah. from Encham that it's cut back it's either a free kick or a corner deep in their area and he puts up his hand to it and, and puts it over the bar and then just at the end of the game Edward has another chance um, it's going straight into the top corner and he saves from that as well and he just like he was just one of those keepers who was capable of winning your points eh? and like we've never really had a keeper who's who's consistently capable of doing that but we've had plenty of being capable of losing those points No absolutely and just actually find what, what you mentioned that say, they saves against Celtic I think it's worth mentioning that we are officially Celtic's bogey team when it comes to Easter Road they still haven't beat us since uh, the 20th, I want to say 2012 or 2013, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, um, so I mean, if we go on about 
are dodgy records against teams. I think we should highlight it when we have a particularly strong record against someone as well. Albeit we weren't in the league for a period of time, but we can forget about that. Um, now, for me, in terms of Marciano saves, the one that really sticks out for me, and it might just be the one that got the most coverage, but I think it was first season back up in, in his first permanent season against Dundee at home. Uh-huh. Uh, it was from Fasile back to the, the, I think it was a volley. And he's had, I feel like sometimes for goalkeepers, the lower it is, the harder it can be at times. I feel like, I don't know why, but the fact is, it was behind him. And he's my unbelievable save. Harry, what about you, um, Marciano? And are you a bit disappointed that obviously his final game was behind closed doors? It's one of those things. I think I've enjoyed Marciano more because um, I think the TV saves he makes you enjoy them a lot more when they're on the TV. Um, <laughs> like the main problem for me is I, like obviously I wanted to keep him permanently, but when we were in the championship, that is the worst distribution I've ever seen from a Hibs goalkeeper. Like his kicking was the worst I've ever seen. It was horrendous. Like genuinely, he would Mate, put the ball. Have you the seen, did you see Eames McAlambe kick the ball off of Lee Miller at Pataudry? I think he's improved substantially, but I think when he first joined us, he, his distribution, honest, I used to get, I used, yeah, to, no, fuming, did, I used to go to the games yeah. fuming. Um, he did, he did yeah, launch not, out of the park a lot. But the thing is, in, te- in terms of actual quality, he's by far the best goalkeeper I've seen for Hibs. I think some of the saves, like I was going to reference the one against Dundee as well, is just ridiculous. He's a freak. Um, but see this spell, see when um, like we had the Lennon ball, and where we just started attacking teams non-stop. I think Marciano stepped up so much during that time period. And the reason Absolutely. we could actually go all out is because he would make two saves. So instead of conceding uh, four goals, we concede three. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds daft and not great goalkeeping. But no, he, like, whenever the team seems to step up, that's when he steps up. And I think you need that. He was kind of a, he was quite a leader as well at times, even though he wasn't one to command, like, I think some people can lead through their ability. And I think when he steps up, other players in the team seem to step up as well. But I, yeah, it'll, it'll be missed. But hopefully Macy can... I, I don't think Macy's done too much wrong since he's started. So hopefully he can't the, the cup finally. <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Well, I think for me as well, like Marciano, I was actually listening to the Terrace podcast. I don't know if he's listening every season. They go through their, their top 12 players in each position. And I, I was listening to the goalkeeper one just the other day, actually. And then... I was speaking about Marciano and I'd never really thought about it, but he looks like a goalkeeper. He looks like what you want in a goalkeeper, big, strong, like big build. And then you compare him to someone like Chris Maxwell, who looks like if you just kick the ball in the air, it'll go in. Like, and I think that Marciano definitely gives that, albeit he never was the one for command in his area, but I do think there was an element of confidence in the back line of him. And the biggest thing for me, I guess, is that in a five-year spell, I think I'd be struggling to think of five complete errors that cost us goals. I can think of maybe, I want to see, off the top of my head, I can think of one against Rangers at Easter Road in one of Jack Ross's first games. <coughs> that When he, launched, he, he put it straight to, was it Ryan Kent? I think. Yeah, and, no. uh, that's the, off the top of my head, that's the only real error that's led directly to a goal that I can remember. I don't know if you can. It's but, so bad when you consider that fucking Simon Brown probably made five errors in one game. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean, like. All I remember is um, in the five all game where he left about two post codes worth of space <laughs> at the near yeah, post. Alves, uh, but yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, so two two errors, I'm sure there's been more, but that, that have led yeah. directly to goals, like high profile ones that when you factor that and he probably made, like Liam said, in that one game against Celtic, he's probably made more saves that he shouldn't have made than he has errors that have led to goals. So, 
I think he's been an absolutely terrific servant for Hibs and I think he'll be sorely missed and I think he was another one that understood what it was to play for the club five years in and hopefully we, hopefully Macy or whoever it is can uh, replace him and yes let's forget about the league it is cup final week on a scale of 1 to 10 how much are you shiting yourself at half past 6 on Monday evening when the game's not till 2 o'clock on Saturday because I for one am shiting it I'll tell you when I finally go over this hangover <laughs> I feel numb at the moment so yeah I don't feel anything Nah, look, to be honest, it's. I said to you, you both on Saturday, that it's so hard not to get carried away and, and not to think about it in, in advance too much because if you don't win it, then it's, it's a sore one. But yeah, I think it's hard not to get excited, but at the same time, let's be realistic, you know. Um, I would say probably about an 8 out of 10 for me at the moment, and it's only Monday. So it'll be a long week. Ari, you finally finished gubbing your muscles. Um, are you too relaxed to be stressed about the football yet? Or Cause the the problem for me is um just against the Europa League for me, that's the main thing that's worrying me. <clears throat> I think that it's just added so much unnecessary weight that shouldn't be there because <laughs> I just think it's such a massive thing. Like for me personally, if you've played 38 games, it's more worthy than getting a decent European spot than winning right. six games in a cup. Um, <clears throat> St. Johnston obviously are a decent team. I'm just, I'm just interested. To, like, I'll, I'll feel nervous as soon as I see the team, and I'll disagree with it regardless of who's out there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I got, it's not really hit me yet. It'll probably hit me like come Thursday. I'll be like, holy! And it sucks as well when we're not there because eh? I think the whole like, traveling through it just you feel it eh? as soon as you yeah. wake up in the morning, you're like, yes. But these days, it's just kind of like, way. So, oh, I'd, 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 away, I'd, yeah. just, that, so where does way rank on the excitement scale compared yeah, to yeah. that? That's like <laughs> when you like, I don't know, Kenny, like when you tie your shoes bang and you're like, way. Um, so yeah, no, I'd put it about a five out of ten at the moment. That's how I'm feeling. Five out of ten. And Liam, same same question to yourself. How much is it is it on your mind? It's on my mind. Like I don't typically get nervous until the night before. Like the night before, I typically have a bit of difficulty kind of getting to sleep, and then I'll always wake up early in the morning, uh, like really ridiculously early in the morning. So I'll probably go to the gym first thing on Saturday morning, walk the dog, and just do things to fill time essentially yeah. and run up to. It. But it's always the same with big games, and it's it's always made worse by the fact that you're not there because you feel like you're even less in control of the circumstances. Like you're going to the game, you, you some weirdly still feel like you've somehow got an, a, a bit of influence over the game because you're going to be there and you're going to be shouting and 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 cheering team on etc so it is really really difficult and it's a difficult circumstance for everyone right now because like you know the whole the kind of restrictions around where where you can watch it and stuff just adds yeah. another kind of layer of complexity so I'm just um, I'm really looking forward to Saturday but I think come Saturday morning I'll be I'll be I'll be sweating I think like Oh, I, what you're saying is for me is right. I think the games go quicker when you're there. Like, I, see when you're on, you watch it on the telly or that, or they just, you look, see that, that the, the Dundee United game, the last 10 minutes, oh, yeah, fucker. I honestly thought that, like, I went, I went for a pitch and came back, and I swear, I even tried to stay in the toilet longer and it had been a minute and a half, if that. I was like, what is going on here? Like, I need this game to be finished with. And, Here's one thing, right? Where is what is the worst way to watch or listen to a football game? I think listening to Hibs on the radio is 
the worst experience in the world because you can't even see it and they lose their shit if someone's running down the wing as they cross the halfway line where you're thinking they're about at the bottom oh, as you can't stand it. I would, I would almost rather not know what was happening than listen to it on the radio. I've got something worse than that. When you're sitting watching it on Bet365 on the game tracker and you see dangerous attack fly up every every 10 seconds so the other team gets a corner. I've been in that situation once or twice. Not with like massive games, but like games of some some level of importance and it's it's torture. I guess as well because the centre-half brings out his half and it's all of a sudden a dangerous attack. Like, no, <laughs> but, no, no. Uh, you see that it says Hibs dangerous attack you're like I've seen Hibs play I can't we're no caught every <laughs> I know that we're no getting a dangerous attack every minute like stop fucking lying to me gives um, a bullet to right end off attack <laughs> <laughs> uh, he got a bit carried away uh, at the weekend didn't he with a shot in the first half that I think just about hit the top tier of the away stand but I, mean, I thought I thought again I thought I'd done okay at the weekend. Um, so we opened up. Uh, we've obviously got a few things that we want to speak to as well, but um, we opened up the the floor to any of the listeners, uh, the followers on Twitter, to let us know if they've got anything in particular they want us to chat about, or uh, in terms of the Scottish Cup and looking for ahead of the game. And um, Charlie Banks uh, has replied, written into us, but replied to the tweet saying. Obviously, with the fact we've lost to St. Johnson in the last three times that we've played them, uh, what do we need to do differently this time to win? Do you want my hot take? Right. My hot take is it's not because St. Johnson have been world-class that they've beaten us. It's because we've been shite and we've not turned up. Okay, so St. Johnson away, we didn't turn up. We were very lethargic. St. Johnson at home... Um, early in the season the two all game I thought we, we were poor again the semi-final we started so well and then totally tailed off and, and chucked it what we need is a strong start we need to get control of the football we need to knock it about play our game and we need to continue that there's no point only playing for the first 20-25 minutes on Saturday we, we need to be up for it I'm sure we will be we need to be aggressive we need to play our game and we need to take the game to them because ultimately, if you look at the table, we're a better side than St Johnston. No, 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 no. Shout, out to, shout out to Batman, Gilmore, Batman from Uris, who I think has responded to that question brilliantly. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't think it can be said in simpler terms than we've not had all three of them firing against them this season. I think as long as we play in the front foot, big, wide open pitch, Hamden as well. So Johnston won't want that. They'll want it to be tight, uh, you know, a, a tighter pitch. And I know, I know they obviously beat us in Hamden pitch on 24th of January, but I think there's just so much that's in our favour. And when we've got those three guys firing all cylinders, I'd say since defensively, St Johnston are probably more solid than we are, but we've got more attacking threats. And generally, the team that's got more attacking threats tends to win these big, big occasions. Not always, but generally. Yeah. Yeah, so I just, uh, nobody's seen that what Liam's referencing is Christian Deutsch, Kevin Nisbet and Martin Boyle haven't all played uh, together against St. Johnson this season. Harry, what about you? What, uh, obviously, uh, um, the last two games against St. Johnson has been 1-0 to St. Johnson. Both goals been scored uh, on the back of shite clearances for Hibs and then obviously the semi-final, by all accounts, we battered them for 30 minutes and then well and truly chucked it from that point on, really. What, what do you think needs to change? 
Like the the only thing that needs to change, I think, is composure. Because if you look at the goals that we conceded in those games, as you said, the goal at Easter Road, obviously, that was just shambolic. It was a mistake. We'll let that slide. Um, the goal away, the goal away to St. John's now is just a good goal. To be fair, edge of the box. But, yeah, Josh does clearance if he if he gets a proper clearance on it. But I, 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 that's one of those ones. I'm not going to put that down as like a big uh, no, yeah, 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 no, I, yeah. Um, then the three goals they scored at Hamden, they they weren't anything special. They were just lumping the ball in the box. They've got big boys that can get up and score them. If we'd scored any of those chances in the first half, we would have battered them. We would have absolutely battered them. And then we went out in the second half. We had no motivation. We were just absolutely deflated. It was gutting because we had played so well up to that point. We definitely deserved to be in be in the lead. Um, for me, I, I think we just need to score. That's the main thing. Um, we need to score first. If we score first, we win. That's as simple as that. I don't think St. Johnston have got the quality to attack us relentlessly like some of the other teams um, in Scotland do. Yeah. Um, I don't even think that we would have to sit back against them at the end of the game because I don't think that they could put enough pressure on us to break us down. Okay. I think we just have to keep on attacking because St. Johnston's what they do, they're very good at sitting in, and very good at keeping the pitch narrow. Um but if we score first, they can't do that. So the first mm-hmm. goal just vital. Do you do you think um, from a Hibs point of view, uh, or a, a Hibs or St Johnson point of view, we're saying it's vital um, that we score first to sort of kill off their chances? Almost does a St Johnson first goal kill off our chances? I think it does. I genuinely think it does. Like if if Hibs, if Hibs conceded in the first, even if it was the first minute, I'd I'd feel very unsure we could get back in the game. Just on, just on the basis of how we've played against them this season. Right. Okay. What about you, Greg and Liam? Uh, but for me, um, I don't. I don't think so. To be honest, you know, I think. I think sounds daft, but the earlier the opposition score, the better, I suppose, because you've got more time to claw it back. Um, is that not a Terry Butcher? Uh, was that, that probably not a is, Butcher? but at the same time, would you rather have scored in the eighth minute? No, or the absolutely. Oh, absolutely, no, absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, I think that look. It's easy to look at goals we've considered against St. Johnson and analyse the hell out of them. But if we play our game and do what we do well, you know, get the ball out wide, get Boyle running at them. You know, you've got two players in the box that he can that will be in the box that, that have scored silly amounts of goals this season. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think even. A couple each for them would would be perfect, you know. <laughs> I don't think that's asking too much. A couple each. But I, th- I think as well, Do- Doidge's record in the Scottish Cup is extremely impressive. You know, he'll be confident. You know, I think I think he'll want to get shots away on goal. Um, he'll put himself in dangerous areas. So, I think we've got a front two that complements each other very well. They've obviously not all played together against St. Johnson this season, so. I think the three of them together do complement each other. Doidge and Nisbet, obviously, one's the workhorse and one's the finisher. Um, so, yeah, I think like it's so easy to get so involved in it, but they've we've only beaten them once this season. So, for me, it's set up to, to go and right the wrongs of, of this season against them. Yeah, I think, there's a, I think there's a template that Jack Ross will be working on, which will be the, the last few games. Well, I've given them an indication as to what St. Johnston do and they go in front, because that's been the case. I think yeah. he'll be he'll be working all week and training on here's how we demonstrate the tactical flexibility that we need to get back into the game if we go one goal or two goals behind and here's how we need to play differently from perhaps what our normal style might be. Uh, and it might be we see some players moving into some different spaces in the pitch. It might be Nisbet dropping deeper. It might be 
Jackson Urban kind of playing more in the ten role, I, I think there'll be I think there'll be, be changes. And also, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about personnel. So I don't want to steal anyone's yeah, thunder. Yeah, no, no, just go on. You'll be you'll be you'll be considering personnel because I think you'll be thinking about who who do I need to get the the right kind of creative elements in our team whilst maintaining some of that defensive solidity. And I know it's going to be it's going to be a conversation point that's going to be continually talked about between here and Saturday. But for me, I think Darren McGregor demonstrated at the weekend just how, how strong a defender he is in that kind of one-on-one situation, how good he is aerially, um, you know, and how, how just accomplished the centre-half he is. But the one thing that I think is overlooked about Ryan Porteous is when he comes into the team, for me, that's another ball player in their lineup, but it's another guy that can distribute the ball. And I think that will be why he gets the nod over McGregor on Saturday. And I know that's going to be really unpopular and goes against the grain with a lot of the Hibs support at the moment. But I think Porteous, for me, is a nailed on starter. I think the one that could potentially be decided right on the wire on Saturday is whether he goes with Gogic or Halberg, because I think Gogic has been absolutely terrific defensively. But you know, other than a six-yard square pass, it doesn't offer really anything going forward. So, you know, Melker Halberg, I think, has demonstrated what he can do from a set piece mm. and just how he distributes the ball generally in the midfield. So I think that is, that's the one for me that I think was a real tough decision for Ross this week. So you don't think Melker Halberg's got a chance of starting up front? <laughs> yeah, you can do a job at right back if Paul McGinn gets injured he'll slot in there Joe, uh, John O'Shea John, so John O'Shea I think is the only player to have played for Man United in all four areas of the pitch he played in goals central defence midfield and up front and I wonder if there's any Hibs players that have ever played in all uh, four Ooh. positions because Melker Halberg maybe got a wee shot in goals at the weekend and then he would he would have completed the four maybe, maybe he'll go in goals to the penalty shootout I'm sure I'm, I get someone that listens will be able to tell us if that's happened as well, by the way. Um, well, I think for me, I would agree. I think the port shift starts over Darren McGregor. Um, if Darren McGregor was going to come in for anyone, it would be Paul McGinn, but that won't happen and I don't particularly want it to happen either. Um, I love Darren McGregor. He's been superb in the last two games that he's played. And to be fair, in all the games other than Motherwell at home that he's played this season, he's actually been pretty good. Um, but no, for me, the, the, the back three is set in place. Harry, you are Alex Gogic's biggest fan. Um, fight that battle for why Alex Gogic should start ahead of Melkor Halberg. I think you've got to play your best team. And I think that when Gogic plays, and um, I think when Hibs have been at their best this season, I think Gogic has played. Um, and as much as I don't think that um, St Johnston carried too much of a threat going forward, I think it's because of their ability of Gogic to prevent them doing anything going forward. Um, I, I understand the argument for Halberg playing, but he had a very good game in the semi-final. And I thought he was quite anonymous in the game against Aberdeen. I think like he wasn't bad, but he just wasn't good. Um, mm. So for me, I think he's very hit and miss. Uh, I, I still don't know what kind of player Halberg is, but as Liam said, if Ross's um, tactic was let's just try and get as many ball players on the pitch and keep the ball moving at a high tempo the whole game, then I could definitely see the argument for Halberg starting. But for me, you've just got to try and play the best team possible. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that for Hibs, you've got to have Gogic in there. One thing that I've been pondering over is the whole McGinner-McGregor thing. And I, I, I definitely agree. I, I don't think that you should change that defence. It's been so solid and so consistent throughout the season. I think if you're 1-0 up with 20 minutes to go, bring on McGregor for McGinn. And then, because that, like all St. Johnson are going to do is play for set pieces. And in terms of them putting the ball in the box, I've got most confidence in McGregor getting rid of it. But 
I don't want to play a whole game thinking, oh, we'll defend set pieces. Well, I'd rather stay yeah. on the front foot, as I've said. So, yeah. I'd love a wee cameo performance at the end when he comes on and he like takes off that Rooney's head or something. But apart from that, <laughs> I think he deserves a good wee seat on the bench. He's done well this season. Though. Nah, I, I, I would fully agree. For me, I think that the team's nailed on. Uh, 3-5-2. I do. I think Gogic will start. I think McGinn and Fortress will start. Josh Doig and Boyle at wing back. I think that's the amazing goals. I think they're the sort of areas that there's maybe question marks over. And I, I, I personally don't really think there is actually that many question marks over it. Greg, um, just be interested to get your uh, thoughts on the central midfield. I think coming into the season, you were a big fan of Halberg, not so big a fan of Gogic. And that, it's probably sort of uh, switched over as the season's progressed too. Who would you give the nod to? Um, I think obviously I've given him a lot of shite this season, to be fair, but I think. Gogic, Gogic should be should be playing for me. Um, in recent weeks, especially against Motherwell in that quarter final, I thought he was he was immense. You know, he, he's driving forward now. That's not something he was really doing at the start of the start of the season. So, I think he's developed as a player as well. Um, I think Halberg had a very good semi final, but he did go missing at Aberdeen. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, for me, it's got to be Gogic. I think he, he's now more than just that person in the midfield that breaks things up he can he can start attacks as well so I think we should we should go with him um, if we're honest it might not be the greatest game of football it might be a bit stuffy a bit scrappy mm. I'd much rather go get you in there than Halberg if it does get scrappy um, because I don't really think Halberg's that's Halberg's style I don't think he, he enjoys that sort of environment so yeah I think for, for me it's got to be Gogic. No, I, I would agree. Yeah, like I say, I think that I think the team's pretty much nailed on. Um, a, an interesting one, I guess. Why is um, are you confident of, of Hibs winning at the weekend? Like, and I know you can, you've got all these factors of us and jobs and this and that, but are you confident that this Hibs team will go out and win the game on Saturday? I, I, like, so from a practical point of view, uh, like I don't ever say definitively whether or not I think we're going to win a massive game like this, but I would probably say I'm somewhere who I think had chances of lifting the cup are somewhere between sort of 60 and 70%. Um, so I'd make us favourites, but not, not overwhelming favourites. Um, yeah. I think but if all factors stay the same as they are at the moment, I'd say that, yeah, I'd, I would, I'd make us favourites just, just because of what I spoke about earlier, our superior attack and flair. Um, I think St Johnston in order to win the game, we'll have to do the things that you guys have just spoken about. We'll have to win set pieces. We'll have to put good balls in the box. You know, I don't see them slicing through as like a knife through butter. As a wee cliche for you, Harry. Um, I think it will be it will be attritional if they win the game. Whereas I, I keep coming back to it, but that big hand and pitch for me, I think, is just such a game changer. Sometimes that we go and play teams. You know, when we go and play derbies at Tynecastle. Just never really fancy us on that kind of pitch because it just does not suit expansive football at all. But Hamden, yeah. like when you just see Tony Stokes running down the left wing and just shifting it inside and going past the Vernie, like that that space is only created because of the size of the pitch. Um, but that's just a wee thing that I've got an obsession with. Mm. No, no, that's absolutely fine. Uh, Harry, Greg, same questions to you. I'll let Harry go first. All right. Um, well, see, I've I've said the whole season I don't like it when we get these negative tags put on us. I don't think that we are bottlers. I think we've got a very good character in the team, and that's helped us get into your third. Um, and I genuinely think that we were very unlucky to concede first in both semi-finals against Hearts and St Johnston. I think that uh, 
yeah, um, if we'd scored first in those games, I think we genuinely go on to cakewalk the game. And I think this will be the exact same. Like, I think we are miles ahead of St Johnston, and the only reason we've not picked up more points against them, we've shot ourselves in the foot. If we show up and we play a good game, mm-hmm. we we win. If if we show up and we play a bad game, St Johnston will take advantage of it. Because the thing is, even if you watch the semi final they played against St Mirren, St Mirren missed three or four really good chances. Yep. And for me, if teams are consistently missing good chances against you, it's not a coincidence anymore. St Johnston have got something in their locker that they're just good at absorbing the pressure. So if we can find that first goal, I think we go on to win the game, and I don't think it's I don't think it's difficult. If we score in the first half, I think we win three or four now. Right. Okay. Greg, I'm maybe not quite as confident as Harry, um, but I think we we're a team that can learn from mistakes. You know, I think that this last game against St Johnston was a nothing game, to be honest. It, it carried no weight at all. So, yeah, I think for me, a professional performance um, is the way to win. And, you know, I think we have shot ourselves in the foot against them this season. So, mm-hmm. we caught the errors, you win the game for me. Um, but, yeah, I think a professional performance and a performance that is confident as well. Well, when I say game, and, and to be fair, I'd probably our chances up to 80%. But uh, yeah, I, think, I don't know if I'm, I'm now being too positive rather than too negative, but I think... I, I know think, your role. I know. I know um, 20% then, Hibs will. <laughs> nah, I, think, I think it's so easy to get so involved in the games that have gone before, but this is a cup final. You know, anything that's... It's another cliche, sorry, Liam, but anything that's gone before is kind of... Null and void, you know. I think St Johnston would take a wee bit in it because they've beaten us a couple of times this season. But I don't think we should, or if we do, we should use it to our advantage and say, look, let's go and right the wrongs of, of what has gone before because we are better than them. Yeah. It's an interesting one. So I just had a quick look there. So Skybet have us very, very slight, slight favourites. Um, I think St Johnston are 19 to 10 and we're 6 to 4, and the draws 21 to. 10 or 21 to 20 even. So tight game expected as really all the games have been obviously the semi-final apart. Do you think that the sort of the media narrative around St. Johnson won for the Cup double, Callum Davidson should be manager of the year, or they've already beat Hibs at Hamden, like, do you think that might end up playing into our favour? Because even after St. Johnson won against St. Mirren, a lot of the noises were coming out like, oh, St. Johnson are going to win the Cup double. Like, forgetting that they were still another game to go. For me, I think that's going to can only benefit Hibs. I think there's, I almost think there's more pressure on St. Johnson this weekend than there is Hibs, purely based off of the build-up and what I would imagine is to come the rest of the week. I disagree. I think there's a, huge, a lot more pressure on Hibs because we're a bigger football club. Simple as that. The expectations on those players are greater than the players at St. Johnston. I think the fact that they've already won a trophy this season in some respects takes a little bit of the edge off uh, mm. the, the final. But I think because we are the bigger football club, we're the better team, we're expected to go out there and win the game. And we all know that football, that doesn't always happen. So I, I, I genuinely think that the most important things are the personnel that are out there and, and what happens on the day. I think some of the external factors, you can, you can Jack Ross can kind of quieten down some of that noise for the players a wee bit this week. Um, and the fact that there's kind of no fans in the ground as well, maybe kind of takes away from the occasion a little bit. Um, albeit a question if there's any difference between no fans and 600 fans in a fucking 50,000 seat stadium anyway. But no, I I, I, I think the pressure's on us, being, being, being totally honest. 
No, that's that's fair. Greg, Harry, what you, what's your thoughts on it? Do you think the the pressure does sit with I ourselves? Think, I think as well because we've just finished third. You know, so we we are the third best team in Scotland going off that. So yeah, I, th- I think a lot of the pressure is on us, but I think a lot of the pressure on us is maybe ourselves because mm. you know we are a good a good side. We're a massive club, and to be honest, this is probably what we deserve this season. You know, so I think Jack Ross will be having home to the players that you know that this could be a great season to an unbelievable season, and we're yeah. ninety minutes away for that. So, yeah, I think a lot of the pressure will probably be coming from ourselves um, in terms of the manager of the players themselves as well, and and the supporters. There's an expectation. Um, Kind of already building up this week, so yeah, I think I think we need to manage that correctly. Harry closes out on that bit. Sounds like I was just talking shit because I know that you'll agree with that as well. Uh, well, um, just one thing for me, like one a, a weekly cliche because Liam got one in earlier. I think things in life need to be earned, not given. Um, I think that the pressure being on us is exactly what we need. I think that Jack Cross needs to say, look getting beat in the two semi-finals before isn't good enough it's not who we are finishing third's who we are this game we're going to win it and that's who we are I think Jack mm-hmm. Gross needs to get that in their head he's going to say to Ryan Porches you made that mistake last time against St Johnston right at this game this bit you missed two sitters in the semi-final right at this game Murphy you've not been at it this season when you've been out injured too much come back in the final make an impact be at it like the players we've got in the squad need to show that they've got character because yeah, we finished third this season, that's amazing. But I think they've got the potential to solidify third as Hibs's. And because, as I say, I think we are by far and away the best, third best team in Scotland at the moment. And I think winning the Scottish Cup more than confirms that. So the, I'm, I'm happy at the fact Hibs have got the pressure. I hope that they just thrive under it. Yeah, no, I, I feel, fully agree with that as well. Um, so, right, that, before we, we've got a few more um, questions from uh, from Twitter as well. Um, so, before we move into them, though, because um, they're more about maybe, well, there's a few random ones in there and a few sort of Scottish Cup gen, general ones. But um, do you, um, what would be your score predictions if you were to, if you were, uh, I know it's maybe we don't want to attempt fate with the karma and stuff, but I'm going to go for 2 0 Hibs, Christian Dodge to score first. I think it will be it will be two one Hibs if um, I think we'll be two 0 up and we'll concede for like I don't know ten minutes to go or something and I'll be like <laughs> the Alamo the last ten minutes um, but yeah I'll, I'll go for two one. Well, you want me to go first, so I'll go first. You can what I'm going to go for one 0 and it's going to be my boy that does it. Papa Gogic is going to score. It's going to be an absolute mm. screamer like he done earlier in the season, and it's going to make my life. So I just have a, a really weird suspicion and, and it's one of these things that's just going to leave me that I think we're going to win the cup on penalties. Oh. I don't know if my ticker could oh. cope with that. I know. I don't, oh. There's enough alcohol in the world for me to cope with I that. Know. You and me, could you pick him? Penalty out specialist. Who scores a winning penalty though? Is it a save? Halberg. <laughs> 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 no, I, 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 I genuinely think Ryan Porteous will be on the fifth penalty again. Whether he scores it or not, I think Porteous will be on the fifth penalty. I don't think it's that far. Maybe he saved the first few penalties anyway. <laughs> oh, Liam, why have you, why have you brought just, that up? Parker, I just, man. I just think it's been a, it's been a wee while for a Scottish Cup final, hasn't it? To have gone to pens. Um, 
And I just think that there's, there's, well, we'll say I'm hard. 60 to 70% confident this team will win it. Um, I think it is really, oh, I, was going to say, I was going to say fucking fine margins, and I knew one of you would slay <laughs> fine margins. It's going to be a really, really those, tight game. Voice box. Uh, it's going to be a really, really tight game. I think there's going to be very, very little in it. I just think this, 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 this of all finals of recent, I think is probably the one that's, to me, strikes as the one most likely to go to penalties. I didn't realise we had Gail Cliche on the podcast this week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How are you? Uh, you? You sat there for a good 30 seconds, like, keep talking, Liam, keep talking, and try to think of a joke here, right, got it. <laughs> nah, I, I, I'd be confident if it went to penalties, to be fair. I know all the people say it's a lottery, and I don't think it is. I look Kevin this big, it's fucking nowhere near it. Absolutely not. I, I mean this in the nicest way, he's burnt his bridges when it comes to penalties. He's I like our penalty takers, team. though. I, I do like our penalty. If Brown is still on yep. the pitch at the same time, I like Paul Hanlon taking a penalty. I like Porches taking a penalty. I like Boyle taking a penalty. Dijon is a bit more that Dijon is bit can stay back, eh? I actually thought Halberg's penalty against Motherwell was probably the pick of them, to be fair. Ah, it was right, he tucked it right in the corner. That and ah, McGinn yeah. as well, to be fair. So. Now, yeah. The streets will never forget Dodge's penalty away to Halberg. Were any of that friendly? What one? The, the, our broth away at the start of last season. Dodge hit the world's worst penalty. Oh, no, like, the keeper it's dived it's and he could have walked up, went to the other post and came back and still picked I'll it up. Before that, it the line. Brian Graham away at Bennett Rangers in pre-season. Uh, oh, swear I remember that. The ground. <laughs> <laughs> at least we get all the bad ones in pre-season. No, again, I agree with that, Lima. I like our penalty takers, um, but I wouldn't. I genuinely don't think I would have Nisbet or Dodge in the first half. Maybe Nisbet. I think Nisbet would have the confidence to take it, but Dodge, uh, Dodge hasn't been seen near a penalty since that pre-season game. Like, and we've had penalty shootouts against Kelly, Dundee United. I want to say we've had one in the League Cup and all since then. And like, I'm Sterling Albion, I think, was that in the League That was after. Nah, right. nah. And he's not been seen near a penalty kick. Nah. So, who knows? To be honest, I'd imagine they would be practising them just in case. I would imagine so. The other thing, and we're getting fucking miles ahead of ourselves here talking about penalties, but the other thing I love in a penalty shootout is a big goalkeeper. And what yeah. have got? We've got the biggest goalie that's ever existed. <laughs> he's... he's I, I I think you know things like that can can help. No, I, I, I absolutely agree. That, does I agree. it not make it harder when he has to get down the corner though, because he's got such a long way to go? But he can get there eh? without 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 really having to jump very much. Just Whereas with Logan, just fell. <laughs> there's own orbit around him in front of the goals. So. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Right. So. Moving on, we've got a score. Uh, we've got we've got our score predictions in. Um, Harry, we're, we're we're going to do Harry's high B quiz slash court, but seeing as it's a cup final, uh, it's just going to be a more conversation piece so that you can actually get involved for a change. So, um, and we'll merge that in with the with the fan uh, the, the fan fuck off you with the with the. I'm not, we don't. We don't have followers fans. questions. With the, followers, with the questions. followers questions, we don't have fucking fans. Um, but aye, I'll let you, you take no it fans. away. The team is shit. 
I've not actually got the questions loaded up, so I'll do that just now. Oh, but I'll, I'll go first then. I'll go first. Uh, you, so, you, do, you do the followers' questions. I'll need to. So we've um, got we've we've got we've got two questions come in here that are probably verging on long bangers, short bang territory, and we don't want to take over anyone's patch. But uh, this will be a good point to say that uh, three of us are going to short bangers for a sort of cup final preview with you guys on Thursday as well. I think I can say that because Matty mentioned it. The other, the other day um, so we'll be on there doing a cut final preview with the Long Bangers guys on Thursday night I think that is but first question has come in from Alex Fratis-Trickis uh, obviously friend of the show that has um, was on with us a couple of weeks ago one big seagull versus seven Raj Sparrows who wins in a square goal? Well, I'm taking a seagull I've, I've uh, got, got PTSD when I was uh, so I grew up in uh, like tenement flats at the bottom of Leaf Fork and round the back from where my dad stayed, there was a, a housing estate where seagulls all used to like nest and, and, and drop uh, their, their wee ones and nest. And I got dive-bombed so many times as a kid by seagulls, like proper attacked and pecked. Mm. And I tell you Ooh. what, if you've been pecked by a seagull who's attacked you, you never forget. And uh, shot on as well. Shot on as well, the whole, the whole lot. So I, for me, I, I, there's nothing scarier than a rad seagull. Well, I should tell you... My granddad used to take me down to Cramond like when I was younger, um, just for a walk in that. And there was one day that I, like I had gloves on, and a seagull just came up and ripped the glove right off my hand. Like they are mental, just vicious. Uh, so I'd maybe, I'd maybe go a seagull to be fair because they were just relentless. Uh, they just never right. stopped. I'm going, I'm going seagull as well for a similar reason. I was walking along Princess Street once, so no real reason for the seagull to be there. Going fucking back to down by the sea where you fucking belong, you cunt. But yeah. uh, he, I don't know, he, I don't know if this is dive bombed like... and took a burger out the hand of the boy that was like, there was three or four of us walking along Princess Street and took a McDonald's burger clean out his hand. Like, oh, I don't know if, uh, if this is like a plug slash flow, but obviously I announced a, a strategic partnership with Brighton. Hey, they are the <laughs> so, thank I you very much. Um, got, it back, got it back to Seagulls to win then, right? Harry, would you agree with that? Well, see, the thing is, for me, if it was 13 Sparrows, I would back the Sparrows, but I don't think seven's enough, and I don't think 12 or below is enough. Um, so for me, I'd definitely take the Seagull. If since we're talking about horrendous Seagull stories, one time a Seagull, well, I called a Seagull, I don't know if it was the same specific, but I was talking about Seagulls, calling them gimp. I think they're gimpy birds. Fuck them. Anyway, <laughs> I was walking, we, we used to call it up the street, so if you were cool like me when you were at high school, you'd go up the street for your lunch instead of going to the canteen. So then I went up the street, and I wasn't that peckish, so I just got myself a bag of uh, cheese and onion McCoys or whatever it is. Is it cheddar and onion, I think, the way McCoys? Anyway. anyway. Anyway, walking back <laughs> fell up the street and I swear to God, I didn't get any shit on me, but a seagull managed to shit in the crisp packet and I couldn't eat any of my crisps. And ever since then, I've hated seagulls and I definitely would take a, a big, massive seagull over seven rad sparrows. Well, that poses the question of would you rather get shot on and still have the crisps? Aye, oh, 100%. Because you the crisps and get washed, eh? But you can't wash the crisps and eat them. Say it went on your jacket or your school jumper, like just wh- whack that off and you still get to enjoy your lunch. Exactly. Mm. Next, so we've got another question uh, along the short bangers uh, line. What would you rather have, one massive foot or one massive hand? Ooh. I'm and, talking and, like and, gigantic. I would, I would say a massive hand, to be fair. Massive. So whatever you decide is massive, and I'm assuming that you're, I'm assuming you've still got 
another one just normal size. Like, it doesn't say that you're getting one amputated or anything. I mean, imagine going into the shoe shop and be like, can I get one size 13 shoe and one size, I don't know, six shoe? It's like... Why are you making it 13 shoes? I'm a 12. Like, that's... Exactly. shoes by the harbour. But yeah, no, I think I would rather have one massive hand, to be fair. Just walking about with like a foam finger permanently, I guess, eh? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say massive hand because I've seen some the other day. can't remember where I've seen it. When they're like TikTok or something. It was a clip of... Jimmy Fallon and Kevin Hart and they were doing like this, I don't know, like a roast or something and if they made the other person laugh, they had this fucking huge hand and they slapped each other with it and I, I, I could get on board with that but, and I just think, you'd keep falling over if your feet were different sizes, no? Like walking a bit like Ronald McDonald on one foot and uh, you, you just, no? I don't know. Probably used to. I, I very regularly get the piss taken at me because I've got really big hands already. I've got really long. My mates are taking the piss at me because I've got really long fingers. They are long. Really shite podcast. I've just got really big limbs, eh? Um, so I, 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 my big hands, I've already kind of got two. So I'd maybe take a big foot because I've, I've, I've got, uh, like you, you in size 12 feet, but I, I think they're kind of in proportion with the rest of my body. So I'd maybe get a mm. big foot and just fucking, I don't know, go and play up front for a team where I just need to get in at the back post and tap it another time on my big tay. But imagine carrying the big tays about though. Like Oh Christ. That would be tough. Imagine I don't know how you clip your nails, eh? Oh why? Clip your nails with a guillotine. I know because like <laughs> there's there's a the whole problem. You either get I if you've seen it, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, obviously um Uncle mm-hmm. Jack, uh, he's obsessed with his big hands. Um but then there's the viral video big shoe, big shoe. And then if you had a big foot, you'd get that everywhere you ever went. Eh? So I'd take the big hand on that purpose. I see. There's definitely pros and cons to both, to be fair, actually, on that one. I never thought about the big shoe one, but that would become tedious after about an hour. Uh, you'd be like, like oh, <laughs> that's the first time I've heard that. I know. I'd be in the middle of the podcast, and I'd remember that you've got massive feet, and I'd be like, big shoe! <laughs> big shoe! <laughs> <laughs> big shoe, fuck off, mate. Hey, um, well, I don't know if we forgot there, but... I saw the, the, the tweet did say anything that you want us to speak about for the cup final, and obviously they just decided against that, which is more than fine. But um, Jack Gillies, another fan that's been on the on the podcast, um, posed the question: um, he'd like to hear us discuss our previous triumphs and the sort of history associated with it. Well, we can only speak off the twenty sixteen Scottish Cup final. We haven't been blessed in the rest of our lifetimes, but what did that what what did that win in twenty sixteen mean to you on a personal level? I guess, like, of the history behind it, we know that everyone we know the history behind it. So, how did you celebrate that day? Uh, that's five years ago on Friday. So the day itself was just absolute carnage. Um, went to Diane's pool hall, rest in peace, Diane's pool hall, sorely missed. Um, at seven o'clock in the morning. Um, I think sunk probably six or seven nervous pints of tenants in Diane's pool hall. Got on a bus, went to some shithole Celtic supporters club uh, near Hamden. Three of my mates uh, kept drinking there. Things just got really out of hand. Um, and then, to be honest, I didn't even really, really enjoy the second half of the game. I enjoyed the first half. Uh, didn't enjoy any of the second half whatsoever. You know, obviously what happened happened. And then... Uh, we were fucking stuck on this bus with a bog going back to Edinburgh on the M8 and the traffic was horrendous. It took us like three hours to get to Hamden back to uh, back to London Road. 
and we're all bashing on a pitch. The only thing I can really remember is just greeting that whole journey about no having been for pitch. There's loads of old boys going for a pee up the back of the bus, and all I remember about getting off that bus was just a stream of people on London Road just running, you know, right up to the gardens on London <laughs> Road. Just all these men with their kegs doing uh, piss, pissing up against the grass, and then uh, went in Leaf like everyone else. Kind of hung about Robbie's Bar, went into Scotland and Leaf Walk, got loads of cans, but Robbie uh, kind of stood outside Robbie's Bar, bevying until. I don't know what time, like probably quite quite late. Um, and then the next morning, I just remember just like waking up and being like, "We go again." It was just, it was unreal. Like the Sunday was, the Sunday wasn't as messy as the Saturday because the Sunday it was that, that kind of like that way where you're really hungover and you just kind of get drunk again, no matter how much Aye. alcohol you put back into your system. Uh, drunk loads of Sunday it was just in the links. Uh, kind of made our way down Leaf Walk, um, just down the links, uh, bumped into Grant Stop. Uh, oh. The links, I uh, bled and shite to him and anyone else who would bled or shite to me. Um, I and then just kind of continued on right on to kind of quite late on Sunday night. And I've, I've still got photos on my phone. I tipped up at work on Monday morning. I have no idea Ooh. to this day how I made it to work on Monday morning. That is impressive. And there's no working pain Enjoy. back then, was there? No. <laughs> well, there was, but I didn't do it that day for some reason. I didn't, I didn't work home. I, I, I braved the office. So. Probably still steaming, so you thought, no, I am go, I am going to go in and show them that I am capable of. There was lo- loads of Rangers fans in my work, so I just wanted to go in and just be like, yeah. morning, guys. I remember specifically getting my green tie out for work that day. Superb. Harry, what about you? Um, I, I, I stayed at my sister's night before. I remember waking up on her couch. Uh, woke up, scanned three breakfast bars for Asda. Uh, I was I was heavy, like depressed at the time, eh? And like that was during my recovery period, so I wasn't drinking or that. Eh? I remember we went to Shettleston before the game, and I was walking about Shettleston drinking like a big two pint of milk and that. I was having, I was living my best life. Um, and then yeah, no, the, the day was surreal when we. I remember I put a bet on before the game as well. Um, I put three one hips, uh, so I was dead close to making my money back. But um, I was sat next to an old guy. He was just like I was second in for the row, and he was on the edge of the row. And then he was there on his own in that. And he, he must have been like. 70s pushing 80s and that he was like struggling to walk and stuff but he was like here son I've been going to Hibs games for more than I can remember and all I want to do is see us win this cup and I was like please leave him for me just for this guy there and then um, after we scored the second goal he was the first guy I hugged after it obviously I've got the family in that that you go and spend your whole life with but this old guy I'd met for about an hour I gave him the hug after what you call it Stokes got his second but the whole day was surreal um, and I remember we got back to Edinburgh because um, our supporters bus was going all the way through East Lothian, but my dad stayed in like West Lothian at the time. And so we got off at the park and ride at um, Hermiston Gate and we got on the bus and um, the driver noticed we were wearing his gear. He's like, yeah, I'm a Celtic fan. You's on the fucking pay Fuck the Rangers. And we were like, yes! And then we got into Princess Street and as soon as I walked off the bus, I could just hear from every direction, hi, bees, help, help, where? I was like, yeah, this is actually, I've uh, woken up in an absolute dream. It was quality. And um, I know that was, it was just the most surreal day of my life. I've not, like, I, I don't actually think I've ever cried more than that in my life. I was in absolute tears after the third goal went in. And I've never been kissed by so many men and hugged by so many strangers, but I was in, living my best life. It was so good. Yeah. Greg, what about you, mate? Uh, so I was out the night before, so I was I was struggling Albion on the day um, for the first 20 minutes and then three pints deep, you know, like a man reborn. Um, we went to a bowling club, I think, near Hamden, not, I think so, um, 
and there was one Celtic fan there. He was like, "Oh look, all these boys are Rangers fans. Like, please do it. Like, this is your day and that." And it was quite emotional before the game because, like, my granddad, who's been going to the games for for years, he was like, "This is this will be my last chance and that." And I think it was kind of like collectively we're like, "This could be his last chance." And obviously, you get the game and it's it's nervy, and you you know you go one nil up and whatever. And I mind Fergie, who was on the show uh, a couple of months ago, he was sitting behind me. And he, I think for Stokes' equaliser, he's like, oh, this isn't even reaching the first man, like Henderson shy at corners and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, and then it connects with the header. And then I, I, I remember screaming at five that he play the ball sooner out to, out to Stokes there. I was like, you need to be playing that sooner. What are you Mate, doing? We watched the game the other day and you were still screaming um, at him, even though you came, what happens next? And, and then obviously... The corner comes out and it's like slow motion, but you can see it. You can see it coming. And yeah, I think after the game, it was relief. Walking up to the bus, loads of boys were basically raiding this petrol station of everything they could get their hands on. Like you're walking up, up the road and there's like boys just choring stuff. And we get back to the bus and I remember seeing my pal Scott and he was in the top tier, I think, so couldn't he make his way up the pitch? Um, for legal reasons, I wasn't on the pitch either. Um, <laughs> so I, mean, I just, just kind of hugged him and, and, and his family and that because it's not just like it's everywhere you go to the football where you have such a bond with people and yeah. you go through it together. Um, got back to the Student Hubs Club, then made my way onto Leaf Walk. There was shopping trolleys, bottles everywhere, like it was chaos. Went to Citrus Club that night and it was just full of Hibs fans, like <laughs> not a Hearts fan in sight. And it was just like the whole city was, was Hibs and everyone was out. And yeah, and I think I remember it. Did you see John Robertson in the Citrus Club by any chance that night, Greg? Nah, I don't think so. But to be fair, mate, I didn't even know my own name at that point. <laughs> and obviously, the day after it, it was raining. Um, and I think a very poignant moment for me was when before the parade started, the sun came out. You know, I think a sign from the big man upstairs. Um, this was our day, and I guess it, the scenes that day, like it was just unbelievable. Like, where are these yeah, folk every week? Ah. Know, where, 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 where have they come from? Um, but yeah, I it's, guess it's never going to be topped, no matter what we do. Uh, just it's, it's not going to be topped. So yeah, it was relief more than anything, but very very enjoyable relief. I would say. No, I, my day my day started off very similar to yours. I was out in out in Livingston, uh, at the formerly known club Earth that is no longer with us. Rest in peace. Um, and uh, obviously local laws here's four a.m. So sauntered in at about five. Back to mine. Uh, and I just remember my my mum had to take my little sister. Uh, she was away on like a a day trip or something with one of our clubs or something. So she was dropping her off at half eight. So I've only got in at five. Mum's taking me up to my mates at half eight in the morning, straight back on it. I think I was a mixture of like what you and Liam said. No, Liam said when you can, he gets steaming straight away. But you're saying three. Yeah. Five. I think I was still that close to still actually being steaming. That as soon as the alcohol hit me, I was gone again. Like and. It's a similar start to the day as well. We use bus through into a pub in Glasgow. I think we hadn't booked in. 
anywhere at this point, but we got through really early and I, I think it was like the only pub in sight, man. There was nothing even close to us. And then um, we, aye, we were in there for about lunchtime and then up to the game. And I just remember the walk up and my biggest thing is I hate getting to the ground like on kickoff. I don't know why I hate it. Like I would much rather be in like at least 10, 15 minutes beforehand. And home games, I, I, there's been times at Easter Road where I've been probably first hundred folk in Easter Road. And I just remember that day, we, it was so busy outside. We literally got in and seen kind of hand and you go into the top of the stadium and then work your way down to your seat. But we've come out of the stairs and just as that, the players have come out and they like fireworks have went off. And obviously, because we've not seen it, I've just got in the hat and I have, oh, I've jumped the height of myself at that point. That's the honestly my most overriding memory for that day is the players coming out, but no seeing that, just this bang. And I was like, my fucking bomb went off or something. Like, I shot myself, honestly. But then, and then, oh, the games have blurred for me, honestly. I, I was lightly empty. I enjoyed the first half. See, this, from the moment how they scored, I'm sorry if I'm standing up. I sat on my ass for 15 minutes at least. Like, I, I never seen a good chunk of the game. I, I was just like, my Chapman again, like, we fucked it. Like, every, probably everyone that everyone was thinking. And then, can you really elaborate on any made after the game that I think, what, 100,000 Hibs fans done the, the rest of the day, the few days after? There was a few text messages sent and stuff from people that I was close to at the time after the remaining two or three days that said, if you ever fucking do that again. <laughs> Because I was posted missing for about 48 hours, but we move. It is what it is. And there was no harm done, no harm, no foul. But no, it was an unbelievable day. And I think obviously this year, if, if we get the job done on Saturday, it'll be remarkably different. But I'm sure it'll mean the same, all the same, and we'll, mean the same, all the same. And we'll be able to celebrate it one way or another. Um, but yeah, no, that was well, what 2016 meant to me. One thing I do remember about the game is obviously I didn't know I was on telly. Um, mm. And I'm for me, she was in Benidorm on a wild weekend. So she phoned me and she was like, Oh, I've just seen you on the telly. And I was like, Nah, you're lying. Like, you've not. And, and then obviously the photos start coming through. You start getting tagged <laughs> in pictures. And, and it's like, Why do they have to pick on me? Like, there was. Every other Hibs fan was like that. Why, why am I the victim now? But nah, just, it was just like unbelievable. Like there are not words in the dictionary to describe what what it was like. I think I was in the minority that probably thought that when Halliday scored, I felt we we're still going to go on and win it. I just felt like we had so much momentum behind us. Yeah, I just I just felt like we we're going to win it. I felt it was our day, and like you, know, you can talk about it all you want, but without doubt the best day of my life and maybe will never be topped um, kids or no um, probably will never be topped so yeah <laughs> do you think um, do you think that the Sunday was almost more enjoyable than the Saturday yeah on that uh, I think I feel, I feel like, like for I feel like the Saturday was the best day but the Sunday just for enjoyment level was unbelievable I mean obviously because there was the Nate there was no credit there was no you weren't shouting yourself that we were going to lose I, I felt like the Saturday was so full of emotion that you could just enjoy the Sunday, like the full day. Mm -hmm. But the Saturday was so full of emotion and so up and down. It was. It took a lot of you, to be fair, but yeah, I think the Sunday was maybe more enjoyable because you had done it and you could appreciate what you'd done 
after the moment. So yeah, I think the Sunday maybe. But what? Um, right, where did you all join the parade on the Sunday? Where you straight did you wait for it and leave? I was down. Can't remember what pub we were in, but we were right down the bottom of Leaf Walk, pretty much, and then just made our way onto the links. So my grandmother was brought up in Pilrig Street, so we wanted to stand just there. So we, we stood there and waited on the bus coming down, and it wasn't just the bus; it was the total wave that came after the bus. Mm. Like uh, it's just surreal, but yeah. We'll be used to. Liam, yeah, let's go with you. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, take the tone down a wee bit by being a bit emotional. So I, I lost my dad about six weeks before uh, the cup final in 2016. And um, uh, so we stood uh, just right at the bottom of uh, my dad's stair at the bottom of Leaf Walk um, and watched the, watched the parade from there. Um, and followed it down as, it, as the bus went down through there. And it was just, there was a wee bit of just kind of a weird sort of thing where you, you was there because... It felt mm-hmm. close to him and it felt like he was part of that day. Obviously, I didn't get to see it, um, but it was uh, actually one of those things that it was it was a thing to do on the day. Um, it felt like the thing to do. And then we followed down the links and then when you got down the links, it was just like the scenes down there were just fucking incredible. Like all the people as well, like, people you were bumping into because like, you know, I, I saw people from school and like people from years ago that I probably hadn't seen. And that was maybe the first time you'd seen them in, all, in a long, long time. And it felt like, for that moment that they'd never been away for you that was just like mm-hmm. fucking hell like do you know what i mean so um it was uh, it was just it was just an incredible day like the sunday was the sunday was just as good as the saturday and like it was one of those things could be looked on at other teams who'd had that and we hadn't had that moment like we had the league cup but it wasn't quite the same do you know what i mean that that to me was just like a total outpouring of emotion and it was just uh, it was just it was amazing yeah no, you said I'll have to apologise for bringing that up at all, by the way, mate. Um, Harry, what about you? No, like, um, for me, to mix it up, like, I was just in the flight. Like, for me, the Saturday, like, the actual game day for me was just, like, the massive important thing. But the partying I enjoyed most, Bromby, when we were there, the celebrations of the Scottish Cup in Denmark were absolutely insane. Like, that's my first ever European adventure, and it was unbelievable. Like, see, just walking down the streets and random Danish folk clapping along at Warburton's a fanny, it still makes me laugh. It's just absolute nonsense. Um, but, yeah, no, like, I, I got a lot more out of the European trip than I did out of the actual parade day. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, um, one one random story I wanted to throw it as well, because it always makes me laugh. When we got on the supporters bus after the game, um, we were like, we're waiting for one guy. Who are we waiting for? Because everybody, like, it was quite naughty, but people were running into Asdun, stealing the bev. There was that many folk in the could They wouldn't actually line up and they were just literally walking in and taking it out and then one of the guys came onto the bus and he was like there's no bev left he, like he was on something he was he'd been beyond drinking let's say that but he came on the bus he was like no bev left and we we're like all right mate <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going the cabbage and he had two cabbages in his ass <laughs> <laughs> as a daft things about that like i can remember so many wee things about that day it didn't even make sense that I, like i shouldn't remember this far on but that that will stick in my head for the rest of my life it was so stupid but so great no, that, that is that yeah, is unbelievable i think the full week leading up to it was very strange though because We'd been beaten at Falkirk, and that was such a low moment. Like that was horrific. And and the players were like, "Oh, but oh, but that week we just knew." And it's like, "Well, that was good for you, but 
we were literally had nothing left in us at all. So out of faith or anything. I'm out of love. <laughs> that, that is the most hibs we ever. Did we not have like 26 shots or something? Yeah, we oh. lost the game, Mike. I think we lost like, the game. Was it David Gray that made the mistake headed out to that Luke Leahy and he just ripped a thunder bastard right in the net and it was like, oh I mean, my God. Did Cummins hit the bar just before that or just after that though? Mine, Cummins hit the bar for like 20 odd yards out. I think it was just after it. And I think if we had scored, would we have won, I think, on away goals, I think, yeah. as well. Like, that was, oh, they did get away goals in the playoff. Oh, was it? Well, I I'm shocked it. we didn't defend a long throw. Oh, that was it. Aye. So like, they, aye. It was two late goals, wasn't it? Aye. Just, anyway, but do you find that in, t- in a way almost made it better the following week? Uh, I personally, I think that all the adversity that we had to go through that season in the sense of getting to the League Cup final, um, getting beat off Rangers and Hearts to the league, getting uh, beat days before playing in the Cup final, I think it all added it to it. I think the whole like adventure between Hibs and Rangers, because that's when we properly connected mm-hmm. with Rangers. I felt like I, I used to not like Rangers, but when we went to the championship with them, I hated them. It was to the extent that when us and Hearts were in the championship together, I felt myself hating Rangers at times more than I was hating Hearts, which was very abnormal. Obviously not the same now, but um, it was just a different dynamic that year. And the fact that it was us two in the final, whoever won it, it was the perfect story because we hated them and they hated us. It was amazing. I, it was like almost other than Hearts, if there was anyone else you wanted to beat in a exactly. final, it, it was them. Um, well, Harry, you've got some topics, a conversation, questions that you wanted to pose. Um, I hope they're not as fucking random as the normal Harry's high B quiz ones are. All right, well, one thing I noticed is when Leicester won the league, um, Hibs won the cup. So my superstition mm. that I'm taking as to why Hibs are going to win. Leicester won another bit of silver where they won the FA Cup this weekend. So Hibs are going to win the cup. Um, what's your guys' superstition rocking into this weekend? Ooh. There's no points of warning for this. This is just purely for patter and nonsensical reasons. I'm not a superstitious person. I really am. And I really, really, I really am not a superstitious person at all. Um, I'll maybe drink the same volume of alcohol that I drank at the semi-final and at the 2016 Cup final. But I'm, I'm really, really, I'm useless. I'm not a superstitious person at all. Um, no, nah, I'm useless in this question. I, I used to have a, a, a pair of green Calvin Kleins that were like Hibs green Calvin Kleins that I used to wear for all the big games, but they, they died a few years ago and um, they've never been seen again. Um, I think the waistband just disconnected and I think they've just been overworn. But one of the, I don't know if it's a superstition, but just in the last wee while of when we've been playing big games, I've tended to put a retro top on. It's not always served me well, but wear a retro top for the game. And I know that's quite a, quite a common thing to say, but there is one retro top that mm. does seem to be a little bit luckier than some others. So I think I'll be wearing said retro top on Saturday. Did you know the boy, the boy I go at the games with? He, uh, I'm sure he had like, had, I'm sure he had two scarves and one of them is a really old one. And he only takes that to like the big games and it's like never been washed or nothing. And like, so he only really brings it out these days for like finals, semi-finals and hearts. Like that, and that is it. And I like, even for me, like I, th- I had a lucky scarf, but then I gave it away after the Horgan. Uh, Greg, I remember that. I gave it away after the Horgan double game because um, I wanted to get into the boozers in tune. So I gave my scarf to 
some wee kid that was just walking away from Time Castle behind us. I was like, here, you know what I mean? Have a scarf. And it, the kid was buzzing with it. But <laughs> I needed to get into the pub in the middle of the tunnel. I wasn't getting in with a hip scarf. So that got. You know who that kid up. was? That was Josh Doig. Maybe he's listening and goes, oh my God, I could sell that for thousands. That boy off me down the slope. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure you and yes. Um, <laughs> I don't really have any superstitions. Like I don't really have anything like that. Um, What's the craziest one you've heard for this weekend? I know one of my mates was determined to wear the same clothes that he wore at the semi-final, but he had a blue polo shirt on, so he's sorry, not sure of it today. <laughs> he's a bit tossing and turning with that. He doesn't care whether to with it or to change it up I mean I already know what I'm wearing so I'm going to stick with that um, I've planned my outfit already so <laughs> like I've done with the last final I've planned out in advance so I'll go with that but yeah I think well people have got different ones like scarves um, general clothes to be fair that, that seem to be lucky so yeah that's uh, that's one of the ones I've really heard but that Leicester one's popped up a couple of times, so yeah, I don't, know, I don't, know. I, I, I don't want to get too hung up on it because you end up getting far too excited. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, trying not to look into it too much. I've got, I've got two more questions. I've, I've got nothing okay. to answer that you. Can go on if you want. No, 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 no. Call me on you go. Um. So the next question is, if you could choose who gets to score the winning goal. Who would you choose and why? Do you know what, right? I'm going to go with Paul Hanlon because... Oh, dude, that was mine. <laughs> just because, like, he's the captain, you know, he, he obviously saved us at, at Tiny back in 2016. He's, he's been at Hibs forever, to be fair. You know, I think, personally as well, he's a Hibs fan, so it would be massive for him to do that. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna say him because purely for the reasons stayed. I'm gonna I'm I, I would have went with Paul Harlan and I'm gonna stick with that even though Greg answered it and I'll maybe explain on my reason a bit more is the core group of players that we still have at the club from twenty sixteen, Darren Gregor, Lowe Stevenson, David Gray and Paul Harlan. I thought Paul Harlan always comes at the end of that list. Um when he's and it's like I feel like they've almost all got their thing. David Gray's got the cup winning header. Louis Stevenson's got Louis got two. Darren McGregor's got the fact that everyone just loves him, leaf born and bred, etc. You know what I mean? Like you look at Darren McGregor, like Mr. Hibbs, you look at Louis Stevenson, he's got the two trophies. You look at David Gray, last minute header. And I think Paul Hanlon, I think it sometimes gets overlooked how good a player he is, how long he's been at the club, the fact he is a Hibs fan through and I know he's got the equaliser at Tynecastle as well. So maybe I'm being a bit harsh on maybe the way the fans look at him, but I think that would be fitting, really, really fitting if he was to sign off. And I was actually thinking, I know just to offset this, but I think Lewis Stevenson would be an shirt. Would he become the most decorated player in our history? Has anyone else got three winners medals? Whether it be sure. like, no, but he's only he's only player that's won both cups. But I don't know if anyone in like the fifties or that got multiple league titles, medals, and maybe a league cup or that thrown in there. But he must certainly be up there. I'd think. But yeah, I, I would probably go Paul Hamlin as well. 
it's, it's really tough. Eh? It's between two for me, it's between Daz McGregor and Ryan Porteous. I, I think Ryan Porteous for me, just because of the season that he's had and the way he's bounced back from, I think, quite a lot of criticism. Um, I think the fact that he is a Hibs fan and, uh, you know, I think the reason I would give him a time over McGregor is because McGregor's won one before this. will be his first major trophy with Hibs if he can lift it. Mm. Um and I just love his confidence, and I just imagine how fucking confident would he be if he scored the winner for the cup final? Like, how would oh. his ego will be through the fucking roof if he scores the winner in a cup final? And you love to see it. He'd, he'd be the type to walk in a Leaf pub and be like, do you know who I am when the guy tries to tag him for his pint, eh? <laughs> oh, love it. Oh, Jesus. Have uh, you ever had it? Sorry, just read what you said, do you know who I am? I can't remember who it was who told me, but someone I know, I, they were in a, they were working in a bar in town once, and it was uh, Alan Hutton. Just he actually said, "Do you know who I am?" Like actually, big time child. I mean, he was like, "I do know who you are." But so I'm asked having to pay for this. I went, "Aye," like <laughs> just like yes, like, and he, he told us that next day, and I was like, "What the fucking arrogant cock?" I was in Edinburgh as well. Like, see if it was in Glasgow, maybe I understand. But see in Edinburgh, you're just a prick, mate. <laughs> Bang average baldy right back. That's who he is. It's a shite David Gray. Well, see, the thing is, I think that I'd rather those centre backs get uh, cherished for their um, superior defending. So for me, it's, a, it's between two players that I'd love it just because of the way that they started out at the club. I think that they've bounced back. And for one of them to be engraved as legends, I think either Joe Newell or Christian Deutsch. I think with the season that they've had particularly, I would love for them, like, whoever, if someone does score the winner for Hibs in this cup final, it's, that's that's their season. Like, for me, the season we won the Scottish Cup, that's a David Gray season. Like, that moment mm. will not be topped in that season. Whoever scores the winner, if they do for us, touch wood, please God, that's, this season belongs to them. And I would love it to be Christian Deutsch. Like, I, I just love Christian Deutsch. I think he's one of the most underrated Hibs players of all time. I think that his impact on the team this season has been massive. Um, yep. So yeah, I'd, I would love to see him. And the thing is, as well, I do like seeing a striker score the winning goal. Um, obviously, I, m- the best moment ever is when a right back scores the winning goal. But a striker could be a close second, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, no, Dodge Do- Do- would be the answer to me. And that might just be because I had the same answer, but didn't want to go for the same one again. Um, <laughs> I would, uh, I would be. I think if I was to go away from that sort of Hibs fan route, then. Uh, Christian Dodge be right at the top of my list. But know how people sometimes like fairy tale stories and like when it's written in the stars. How's this for a bit of narrative, right? We've got a former St Johnston player that's been fucking honking all season, getting battered left, right and centre in the uh, from all quarters of Hibs support. Imagine Dre Wright came off the bench and scored the winner. He's already got a goal against Rangers, which I think some people forget. That's a good moment to score an opening goal against Rangers um, but imagine, imagine Dre Wright former team being pretty humpty for Hibs all season and the amount of folk that if they just probably went back two weeks going fuck's sake why is he bringing Dre Wright on to be like Dre Wright's the best human being in the fucking world after David Gray <laughs> I, that would be unbelievable honestly to make it a bit more realistic, I think after what he's been through this season obviously he's had a tough time I would say in this but to be fair um Obviously, he lost his dad in, in the semi-final penalty against Hearts, and I think it'd be really special for him to do it. But yeah, I mean, to, I say that I don't really care who scores the winner as long as it's the winner for Hibs. But 
I think I think either of those two players it would be very special for them uh, in different ways. So yeah, I, I would I would choose them. Um, one last one for me. Um, where do you guys stand on Sunshine Unleashed? It's actually a song I've not listened to because um, uh, obviously my mum was a massive Hibs fan, so I've not actually listened to that song uh, mm. since she passed away because it was a song that um, we played as she got cremated. But where do you guys stand? Like for me, if we won the cup, it would definitely be coming back and I'd definitely listen to it again. Um, but would you guys be the same or are you saving it for when we get a big <coughs> massive fans to sing it together? I listen to it all the time, mate. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I listen to it a lot. I love it. I think it's an unbelievable song. I really do. If you even strip out the even if you strip out the Hibs connections a bit, I think it's an amazing song. Um, no, if, um, if Hibs win the cup, it'll be the first thing. Uh, probably, I don't know how I'll make it work between still having it on the telly, maybe just blast out the laptop or something, or through the phone and connect it to a speaker or that in the house. But uh, no, absolutely, and I'll probably sing it. If we win the cup on Saturday... What time will full time be? But back at four. I'd I'd take a wild guess that by the time four o'clock on Sunday comes, I'll have sang it more than once every hour. If I'm in all honesty, I, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. For for me, it's um, it was played at, at, at my pal's funeral, um, and that was tough. I don't really listen to it a lot, if I'm honest. Um, I believe it's a song that should be kept for big footballing occasions like cup finals um, yeah it's a very emotional song to be fair uh, it's certainly not one that I would go out my way to, to listen to but if you win the cup it, it has to be sung there's no question so yeah I'll be honest I, have, I don't have as, as emotional an attachment to the song I think for me it's a it's a song that has mainly good memories so I guess I'm quite fortunate in that respect that it, I, I tie it to good times you know, I remember it for winning those special derbies at Easter Road, you know, the, the 07 League Cup final, the 2016 Scottish Cup final. So it's got mainly happy memories for me. I, I probably won't listen to it before the game, though, because I think that in some respects is kind of like tempting fate a wee bit. I did want to give a shout out, though, because um, I saw earlier on today one of the guy, one of the posters on Hibsnet, and sorry, I can't remember who it is, has already pulled together a Hibs Scottish Cup 2021 playlist on Spotify. Eh, Spotify? Spotify? Spotify, uh, Calum Bay. Um, I, so I would definitely give it a listen. It's got some bangers on it and uh, shoot to get you in the mood for the final if you're not ready in the mood. Because let's be honest, we're going to be on the cans at eight o'clock in the morning on Saturday to deal with the jitters. So you probably need a good four or five hours worth of music to get you through. I will. I'll tell you what. Just, just, wanted to, just wanted to caveat with, with um, apologies, it was an emotional question to end on. But I think that that just kind of summarizes how much this game actually means to us because, like, we are just four goofballs that come on here and talk about Hibs every week, but this club literally is our life. If we win, like we're not just saying it will mean everything to us, it genuinely will. Um, yeah. And yeah, won the Hibs. <laughs> well, apologies Absolutely. for getting so emotional tonight, but yeah, I, I just feel like there's such an attachment with Hibs no. um, and everything to do with Hibs. It's it's not just a football club, it's a family. It's just that, yeah. just everything that goes with it. It's a lifestyle in it, like... I think I think at the end of this podcast we're gonna to have to do what they do on Channel Four when they talk about emotional things and put up that wee warning that says if you've been affected by any of the themes on tonight's <laughs> podcast, I'll give you the number to phone for some grief counsellors because uh, we've we've certainly uh, we shared a bit of that. Um, but I think you're right, you're bang on the money, Harry. I think that's exactly what it is. It's it's a it's a way of life for a lot of people. It's a it's a connection and it's something that we've all 
you know, I know because I've spoken to you guys a lot about it. It's something that we've all really missed over the last year is just being able to connect with friends and families and go to the games and missing Easter Road itself. It's got a huge amount of emotional connection for all of us. And I think just to win the final, I don't think any one set of fans is more deserving than others, but I think Hibs have had their fair share of uh, misfortune, shall we say. And I think, you know, it would just be a really nice way to end what's been a really difficult year for a lot of people. And I, I think the whole thank you NHS thing and, and just, you know, the way the club have behaved, I think just all for me, the narrative's all written. It's just about the players going out and delivering. Yeah, I think if I can just add one more thing, you know, apologies because no, no. keep hopping in, but I just don't want this topic to move on. Um, genuinely, um, it's a podcast that we want to record at some point, but mental health is a massive thing tough, and we know that there is quite a lot of um, things like finals can bring out quite a lot of emotions, as you've probably seen throughout random parts of this podcast. But the four of us have all are all logged into the Twitter, so if you do ever need anybody to chat to, then down the slope one on Twitter is always a welcoming place for you. I don't just say that, like genuinely no, get involved. We do love a chat, no matter what's of it. So you're never alone. 100%. You've got the high with you. 100%. And I think just again, echoing what you guys have said, I think it has been a ridiculously hard year um, for everyone across the world, isn't it? Nobody could have ever envisaged this. And I think um, Hibs for us have been a little ray of sunshine, I guess, for most Hibs fans across the year um, without being managing to be Easter Road. We hope you enjoy what we produce on a weekly basis. We really, we just do it because we enjoy doing it. Enjoy talking about Hibs, enjoy talking pish with each other. Um, and I, I mean, like Harry says, anyone that ever needs to, anyone that ever wants to talk about Hibs or anything else in life, whenever you need to just, just hit us up. But we are finished here, I believe, this evening, I would say. Um, we... I'm not going to give any guarantees for when we record our next episode. Um, like I say, we will be recording with long bangers on Thursday night, um, so I'd imagine that will be out towards the end of the week. Um, I think we'll provisionally book in for a six o'clock spot as ever on, a, on Monday <laughs> next week, but that, that might well be subject to change. And do you know what? I hope it is subject to change. But thanks a lot uh, for coming on again, guys. Everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, and like I say, hopefully we'll be back... Fingers crossed as the 2021 Scottish Cup winners. Cheers. Go to Hibs. Go to Hibs. Come on, Hibs.